Pod Clubhouse. Hey everyone, this is Aisha from Pod Clubhouse, and welcome to Podcast of the Ancient Dawn, a Lovecraft Country podcast. We are back again for episode three. This one's titled Holy Ghost. <laughs> and let me introduce you to my lovely co hosts, Sean, Ashley, and Kenny from Ghost Planet. Welcome, everybody. Happy, hey. happy Hello. Sunday. Happy to be here. Yes. I'm glad Happy you guys. Sunday. Yeah, I'm glad we can all make it today. Another week, another spooky episode. That's right. A, that right. is exactly right. <laughs> Indeed. So we are in episode three, and the crew is in the north side of Chicago. So we we moved to another location. I just want to say that when I first saw this episode start, I had some like cognitive dissonance. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> 1955 North Side. What what just happened? Where did they go after the last episode? That that's. I didn't know that that is kind of how the book reads. I found yes. that out after the fact. But I was completely thrown when I said, well, wait a minute. Is this tied into? And then slowly we see during the episode that they, they do tie the events in together. There's a timeline. But I was completely thrown by that. But I love that. I love that aspect that when we get comfortable in a situation, it's like, nope, just kidding. Now we're going in this direction. Yeah. I like that you said that about the timeline because I had, I, I guess, in the back of my mind, I was thinking about that, getting moving from episode two to three. I'm like, wait, what? It was very disorienting. I'm wondering, maybe Kenny can help us with the, the Lovecraftian uh, mythos. But oh I'm boy. thinking maybe this, right? I'm thinking maybe this is, I don't know if it's characteristically like almost Twilight Zone-esque where the, the episodes are different. But in this case, we're seeing the same characters and we're still kind of tracking with, with the timeline. But each episode seems to have its own overarching theme. In reference to the opening scene where Letty is sitting in the church and she's sort of watching the participants, she's sort of watching the congregants. We're getting some quintessential Sunday praising mm-hmm. going in there. And this is the episode, the being episode three. Uh, I don't want to say I, I wasn't paying attention to the other two because that's not true. I don't think anyone who's heard our other episodes would say that. But this was the episode where I went, wow, okay, so this is just one of my favorite series I've seen in a long time. Like beyond me just, you know, watching it for the purpose of speaking about it with, with you fine people, <laughs> I really have just come to enjoy what we're watching. Like this is a really good show. I even had a friend who runs um, our stuff over on Facebook with me tell me completely independent of this that he loved Lovecraft. Yeah, it is really good, isn't it? The timeline like you were talking about was a little weird to parse at first until things started coming together. But it goes back to something I said the first time we got together, which was that the main thing that connects Lovecraft stories is people and places. So as as we as we go along in Lovecraft country and we change locations, keeping the same people, but maybe changing the setting of the story or even when the story is taking place is really common. There were a lot of other really cool Lovecraftian things different than they have done before. Um, I'll say, too, that they did in this episode. But the cool thing about them moving into this this boarding house, this this shunned looking house, if I may say, is that it reminded me a lot of the Lovecraft story, the shunned house about a uh, multiple story house that looks a lot like this one, at least it's described, hmm. um, that's in Providence, Rhode Island, and had a lot of really terrible things happen there over the years. Uh, I saw a lot of similarities between this episode and the Lovecraft story shunned house. So, Do you think it's an exact replica of that exact of that story? I don't think anything that they've done so far, this included, has been a direct one-to-one but it's a very clear homage if you if you recognize it. And a lot of the themes that, that take place in these stories, like the Shunned House, 
show up in different places. So in, in the shunned house, it does come to light that a lot of really dark ritualistic things have been taking place in the home for a long time. Uh-huh. I think we, I think we do get hints of that here. Absolutely. Right. Um, but also what's strong in that story is a racial tension. Um, I specifically remember Lovecraft going over a lot of the people who are around the shun house, who lived by it, and the, the different people who came to own it through time, different people of different races and of different color. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was here, too, but more in theme than it happened in that story. So just wow. a really cool mix of Lovecraft in this one. I love it. And the elevator. I mean, I'm wondering if that elevator comes into the shunned house story as well. The elevator doesn't, but, and I don't want to get off on it. That's a completely different conversation, I think. But the, the (laughs) just overt horror references to cool horror movies and films and books in this one was really strong. That was that quintessential jump scare in that, in that scene, right? You know? It was, it was great foreshadowing, too. Very good. I got House on Haunted Hill vibes big time with this episode. Yeah. Um, and the yes. thought that, okay, home ownership is a big deal in the Black community. It's one of those ways that we can build wealth and, and generational wealth. And so it's a big deal for Letty to be like, I bought us a house. Right. And her sister is like, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the house way, you know? Then thinking about the look and feel of this house and just automatically knowing this, okay, based on the title and based on the, the foreshadowing and definitely the in the beginning where it's like, you know, three people bought a house and this many people died in the house. And I'm like, oh, great. Something bad's going to happen in this house. And it's probably haunted. And then we get the disembodied hands. And, and <laughs> I, I found it interesting that the ghosts in the house are haunting the house alongside the man that killed them in the house. Like it's, it was fascinating to me that there's this family of ghosts. There's so many different dynamics going on with the haunting of it. So I just found all of the, you know, moments leading up to it to be fascinating. They were genuinely spooky ghosts. Yes, yeah. genuinely. And they and they all have the, the grotesque like features of like how they were murdered and like what happened to them. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. So definitely they do, grotesque. but it's also <laughs> super abstract. I love that about it. I love that. Um, right. I think that Jordan Peele and, and I'm sure uh, a lot of other people as well have watched some of those old movies like Tales from the Hood and things like that, yes. which actually do hold yes. up surprisingly well today for the pulpy mm-hmm. films mm-hmm. that they are. They're really Very entertaining. True. Very and true. I, I feel like he got a lot of that going in this third episode. I felt that so strongly, like a lot of that influence and the things you're talking about, like with the elevator and with the effects. Like I said, the fact that there was a, okay, when we were talking about grown men bodies and baby heads, yes, all right, <laughs> we've gotten into a whole nother level right. of abstract, Crazy. what even is going on? And honestly, like so many of the designs, it reminded me of 13 Ghosts a little. So many of the designs were unique and and really, really disturbing, very concerning stuff. Right. And I I think it's cool that it sets up the house almost as this this character all its own going forward. Mm. I I don't mean to take a jab here, but uh, many people have tried to get me into American Horror Story. I've never been able to get into it. Me either, Kenny. I haven't either. Wow. This in one episode. There's something about it. (laughs) There's something about it. This in Mm -hmm. one episode sold me on the haunted house thing better than the like two or three seasons. Wow. I I have had the same experience with um, that. And you said that if feels like this house is a character all on its own and that 
again, back to House on Haunted Hill. Which, oh, Haunting of Hill House, that one? Haunting of, that's the one. Okay. Haunting of Hill yeah, House, yes. my bad. I, yes. I, I, I call it House on, on Haunted, Haunted Hill. Hill. That's a, di- that's a different that's movie. That's a different right? one. It's a different one, right? I the get the Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House. House I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. series, yes. It was so good. And it yeah. was all about, you know, how this house is like, uh, has a life of its own. So there's right. so many different, again, bits and pieces. And I had, I was obsessed with Tales from the Hood when I was a kid and Tales from the That's Crypt. So, it's so good. The Crypt it's Keeper. Still very and, good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so I, I'm all about ghost stories. I love ghost stories. Let's just, let's just call it there. <laughs> For me, I thought it was very interesting that, okay, Letty's, Letty's got this house and her big thing was like, I'm going to bring in, you know, all of these boarders. I'm going to bring in people to share in, share in the house and we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. make this something in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it wasn't just for her. It wasn't just for her and her sister. It was for the community. And then the juxtaposition of the house being its own haunted community down below, you know, made me Mm -hmm. like, it's, it was just so creepy and so interesting the way that they wove that story together. And I'm going to disclose to you guys, I am not a horror person I don't like scary movies. For you to get me to watch, when one I saw that little those eyes at the side of her bed, pulled those sheets. I told Shot, I was like, "Yep, I'm about to be out. I'm no, about no. to be out." No, let's be clear. She climbed it's a into hard my. No. She's climbed into my skin when that happened. Wow, it's a okay. hard no so, for me. So you guys are stuffing me up here, okay? It's, but I mean, so well done. But you were right. Very, very yes. uncomfortable. Very, very like hard to watch. How badass was it when she um, when Letty knocked? out those guys those car windows oh badass so let's talk about about the housewarming because yes okay housewarming one i love the color of her dress the way she looked she just looked gorgeous in this episode and the housewarming how the house came together so quickly i'm still you know we'll just leave that one something that's that stood out to me too she brushed that near-death experience right off right right Right. like god movie magic and then Mm -hmm. um, house is ready but she's she's looking great and i love the way the camera work in that scene where she's kind of moving through the house serving drinks yes you know what else looked great in that scene the glazed chocolate bunt cake that was (laughs) delicious Kenny oh, like sweets. Okay, no, it's like no, it's no, early no. in the morning. I can't have cake, but that's good. We <laughs> all notice what we notice, right? Exactly. You know that's what right. I was noticing? Right. The pitcher, honey. Exactly. Yeah, honey. I noticed the drinks. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was like, with a drinking tang, I could have some tang, right? <laughs> with a whole lot of liquor. In this. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh man! One of the themes, you know, that we've developed here is obviously we've been developing this these feelings that Tick and Letty have had. Yes. Um, I'm- curious about their relationship like what did you guys make of their relationship and their dynamic because it's it's kind of weird to me i'm i had vibes that maybe tick is is bisexual like i don't know what Hmm. what to make of it i don't know it's wonderfully nuanced i think it definitely is that's a good way to put it kenny what i'm getting from it first off i think they have a great dynamic in that it keeps letty as a romantic interest for tick while making sure that she doesn't not that she's in danger of, of doing so, but making sure she doesn't become just a romantic interest for Tick. Their, right. their relationship is complicated enough that it seems that they clearly have some things to work through, mostly on their own ends. Clearly something mm-hmm. happened to Tick in the war, and that's something that he's still dealing with. Obviously, it happened with a woman, and that's, well, we saw that in episode two, but I think that still plays into how he 
he deals with Letty and Letty obviously has her own hangups um, as well. And I just think that they're two people who by all rights should be together. There's nothing stopping them really, but themselves. And mm-hmm. I think where they are right, trying to find themselves. It's like Letty says, you know, I, I have to live in this new world. She says that eventually. A lot of people have touched on this through through time. You know, when you have uh, African-American Negro soldiers returning home after the war to a society that, you know, really didn't respect or honor them much, Mm -hmm. it it just was a big flip and it was a big adjustment when they were used to fighting for freedom and at least to some extent being able to to get away with a lot more as far as fun-wise in a different country. And I think Tick is having to adjust to, to new things just like Letty is. And they're both kind of dealing with their own junk right now. And it makes it hard to be together, even though they both want to be. It's interesting. Yeah, it's certainly interesting watching it develop. I think you made a good point, though, Kenny, is, is we don't want to see and neither do the, the showmakers. They don't want to see Letty get absorbed into some just the, the, the female yeah, romantic lead and just get kind of swept up in tick. I think they're setting these characters up to both be sort of twin powerhouses of the series, if you will. They're each bringing their own thing. They're both equally strong. They're both equally independent. They're both equally important to where the show is going. Now, I haven't read the book. I don't know where this is going, but I just kind of see it as as twin protagonists that are being made equal, kept equal. And when they engage each other, it's on both their own terms. Like when they were talking about it and Letty said, well, I needed that too. You know, they're definitely trying to keep them both on equal footing here. And I I like that because I think there are too many times where you see that the female character just, she may start out strong. She may start out independent, but then all of a sudden she's the damsel in distress at some Mm. point during the course of the show. And then you're sort of like, well, that petered out. And you're like, you're thinking, oh, this is a great start. And then it just, mm-hmm. she becomes like a foil for the, the male protagonist. And you're like, oh, geez, like every other show or every right. other movie. So I love the fact mm-hmm. that they're keeping them both equally independent and strong, but independent of each other, too. Like they're both functioning in the world in their own way, with or without the other. They're yes. fine. They can each operate without the other, but they're stronger together. That's 100% true. It's beautiful. I like that you said twin dynamic because that reminds me of how they mirror one another in a way. And there's like this push pull back and forth. But again, like you said, Sean, they definitely operate independent of one another and in complements to one another as well. Well, I think and that was pretty evident when, you know, how you just mentioned, Ashley, where she when she walked out with that baseball bat and knock those windows out and knock those bricks off those horns. Yes. Because, I mean, they <laughs> they stood back. They were like, okay, mm-hmm. go, you, you do you go do what you need to do. Uh, and they just... For anyone who's been following GP for a long time, I typically keep it pretty clean. I don't think that, that we've ever swore as a platform, so this may be a first. Um, and I'm going to spend it. When she went out there to, to knock those windows out and knock out those bricks, I was like, is she doing what I think? She's got a bat. There she go. Is she? Fuck it up, girl. Yeah. Fuck it up. Like, fuck it up. Yes. Fuck yeah. their yeah. shit up. Like, oh, smash the yes. windows. Yes. Bust the lights. Yes. Just fuck, fuck it up. There we go. Home run. Skadoosh. Right. Like, I was just really, Like, I was just. Because yes. I was tired of hearing the horns. I was like, she slept for what must be. Because they were doing the day camp. I was like, it's been days of this. And it's gone on all night. And they, you know they mean it because they can't sleep either. This will mm-hmm. never stop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just glad that she's like, okay, all right. Every one of these cars, just just the windows, all of it was beautiful. The cool way that, that Ruby swung that car around, they put the guns in the trunk, 
everybody dropped down. They were like, all right, they finna arrest us. Let's go. Like, yeah, we already right. know what's up. Like, they knew it was just so cold. Like, the whole scene was dope. I enjoyed I that. Know. How they all got on their knees yes. with their hands up. Yeah. Yes. It was It's understood. one of those rare moments in, in a horror film, and you, he- you hear this a lot as a joke, but it's a joke. It's a, a trope in horror films where mm-hmm. um, the black guy never makes it to the end. This mm-hmm. is one of those moments where it was nothing but black guys. Within seconds, they were like, get, boom, get the guns out, drive it away, down on the ground, get your hands. Everyone knew how to react in that situation. Everyone knew how to play the game. It was smooth as silk. Right. It was fantastic. In terms of overall themes, there are a lot of moments where it's about community. It's about togetherness. It's about solidarity. Like even from the very mm-hmm. beginning, when we see the church scene and the, the like everyone's praising and worshiping, Letty is so, sort of like on the outside looking in in that moment. And then we move through this episode and we see instances where it's like Letty is isolated, but then there's community moments. Like there's something to that where there's like this gravitation towards togetherness like she's wanting to bring people together Mm -hmm. uh the ghosts are together in the house like Mm -hmm. they have to work together Mm -hmm. to exercise the evil and there's a lot of moments where i was just like i'm I'm really attracted to that theme of like community and togetherness and working together to solve a problem but it goes with the theme of black people in Mm -hmm. the 1950s precisely and having to get through life we got to do it together we have to we have to be together we have to be united Mm-hmm. to live in the society that they are in. You know what I mean? You know, even though she's able to buy a home in the north side of Chicago, she has full rights of being in this neighborhood. A cross is burned on her front yard. Um, right. You know, signs are put in her yard saying that this is a white community only. Oof. You can't do it alone. I can't imagine being alive in that time. You know, we our parents were, and I, I just can't. Yeah, and, and let's not forget how she got the house in the first place. Like she still needed the Braith Whites and, you know, mm-hmm. learn, learn that the, this house was not just. N- not from there, mom. There's, right. There's yeah. more to it. Yeah. Exactly. Not from mom. Exactly. Yeah. Let's go back. Now that you said that, that just kind of triggered something in my brain. So why did she tell her sister she got it from her mother? I mean, obviously she couldn't. Okay. I guess because she can't say anything about the Braith Whites, right? Does she know? Does she think she got oh, it from her mother? Oh, oh. I took it as she thought it was from her mother because when uh, okay. Ruby asked her about that, she goes, Mama didn't have any money. She goes, well, she must have. So that yes. led me to oh, believe. So th- okay, so they. She actually did think her mother okay. left her the she money. She thought it was from her mom. Okay. And then, but then Tick finds out. How did he find out? No, no. He said that. And I was going to bring this up. Okay. Horatio Winthrop's name was in the frame of the Genesis picture in Samuel's lab in the previous episode. I noticed it on the second watching after having watched the first time, the the third episode for the first time. And I went, Mm -hmm. oh, Winthrop. There it is. But he saw Horatio Winthrop's name in the frame of the Genesis picture. So detailed. And when he heard it was the Winthrop house, he put it together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, good. We cleared that up. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Show's so good. So, so it's good. so, so good. Layers. There's so much. There's so, so much layers. to unpack. There's yes, so much to yeah. unpack. You know. I'll say this: I have been one of those people who we we mentioned Downton Abbey. We name dropped that last episode. Let's go. Let's go. Um, <laughs> TV crazes that last multiple seasons. Um, I was as much about The Walking Dead as anyone when that was at its peak. And so this is one of those shows that in three episodes just is of a higher quality and and Mm -hmm. has better storytelling and more references than large swaths of of those TV shows. So it's really been a pleasure um, to, to get to watch it, honestly. I agree. And for me, what keeps getting where I'm just struck is their acting. And especially with Letitia and Atticus. 
and her Lady face so with the good. baseball bat. I mean, her face when she so finally good. resolved to go out there and break off those those bricks off Ooh, those horns. Baby. Her face, watching her face resolve into that f mm-hmm. this, and then she, and then of course the song that came on was I guess it was a gospel song, mm-hmm. but it's called gospel. "Take It Back, Take Back Your Power." Like I'm going <laughs> yep. to take this back. We had to look back. it up. I was like, I had to look song. it up because I was like, oh, listen to this. Oh yeah, this is, it's, shit's about to go down. You know. Yep. So I mean, yeah, and yeah. then again. And the acting is phenomenal. Kenny had mentioned it in, in our first podcast that mm-hmm. Atticus, his facial expressions, how you mentioned yes. that about how he can act his ass off with just his face. With you his are face. you have never been more right. I mean, I that stuck in my head every time I've been watching the show and he is He's so such a good facial actor. Yes. Yes. Man. Especially the basement when Letty really shows her chops, like mm-hmm. or Journey shows her chops, her acting yeah. chops. I'm so she's glad we got standing to there. And the power and the cinematography around and the light. It was incredible. The, incredible. I, yeah, the whole it scene. Was. I mean. Mm-hmm. And it watching the, the, the D, I guess D evolution or <laughs> them change back into their. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. You normal know, selves. Yeah. their normal oh, that was selves great. and being able to like be at peace. And then also the way that they transition from working against her to working with her mm-hmm. for the same thing, for the same reason. It was it was well, that's owed to her. That sequence has made Letty for me. Like as far as I'm oh, concerned, I know she's she still has like a, a arc to go through, and I know that. But I'm fully sold on yes. Letty as mm-hmm. a heroine. Yes, at, mm-hmm. on this Y'all, episode, it's episode if three, I and we're, I know. You know, already we're if, sold. If, right. If I right. wasn't before, <laughs> which I was already pretty much there, right? It's yeah. like by the end of this episode, when she's like, "Get out of my," yeah. okay. I yes. was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm just fully sold on you. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, Ripley from from Alien. You you yes. qualify there now. Oh, gosh, yeah. The, the cool thing is there are layers to how impressive everything she did was as a Lovecraft protagonist. First off, something that is extremely consistent in Lovecraft is the idea of madness and people going mad. Oh. It's actually one of my favorite things to talk about in Lovecraft because of how dynamic madness is. It, typically, when you see something like Cthulhu or you see a Shogoth and usually that's more chalked up to the fact that you've never seen anything like it in your life. There's no internet in the fifties or whenever you've seen this. So, you know, only in your wildest dreams had you seen something or or encountered monsters like this. Letty's in the basement with rotting corpses and things with baby heads and people with their faces hanging out from their their jaws. And she's just like, Oh, well that's, that's kind of spooky. I mean, but we should all like hold hands before they'd even transformed. She was holding two of their hands. Which is one of the bravest things I've ever seen. You couldn't have paid me money to touch any of any of them at all. <laughs> and, and she she just got right in there. She was smart enough to realize that okay, well, they'll probably want revenge. So if I just continue the ritual, but with these ghosts, I'm sure that'll work out well. And it did. Like she she rolled invisible dice somewhere behind the scenes, like a video game where you where, where you're uh, like the game rolls dice to see if you hit a character yeah. off screen where you don't see it. It's like she was like, hmm, let me enact this scheme. How about we all chant and and then defeat him? You want revenge, right? Yeah. Nah, here this guy is. He's you. You can help me figure this out right now. And they did. That was such a fun gamble for me because it makes sense. It's like okay, well if he's that bad. Do something about it. Well, and once again, Letty appealing to the human nature. She's she wasn't looking at them as 
as these like spirits, these tortured souls, these ghosts, as these gross she, rotting she'd already, corpses. She'd already done the research, and she was calling their name. Yeah. She was saying, you know, uh, calling their name one after another, like, "Come out! I know who you are. I know right. the real person." And that was what was the. I've got. I've got. My, the hair on my arms are standing up right she now. She re, rehumanized them. <laughs> exactly. Rehumanized. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Wow. What you just said, Aisha, is so profound because you said, basically, she identified the real enemy. Exactly. And, and in knowing the names of those people and being able to speak their names out loud and sort of like conjure their energy and conjure their presence right. in order to like fight a common enemy it's almost it's ancestral you know Mm. it's thinking about like black ancestry and a lot a lot of black folks right now are moving back into spiritualism and like thinking about ancestors and and working with different ways of being in terms of religion and culture and so seeing the seeing the woman who I don't want to call her a witch doctor, but she she killed that's, the, the yeah. Goat. That's what we had wrote down. I wrote that yeah, down. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna go with witch doctor, but mm-hmm. basically inviting her in to perform a ritual that could be seen by many, like I would say, Judeo Christian circles as demonic or or other than, um, and welcoming that. It's it's definitely it, it just speaks to me about how important it is to be able to name things the right way and understand how they work together. Um, to create sort of like this collective care and understanding. Um, and that, that was interesting to me that you said that, you know, she recognized them. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah. yeah. Seeing Letty, you know, at the very end, she screams like with every fiber of her being, she screams, get out of my house. And I, I don't know how y'all interpreted that, but afterwards to me, she seemed wrung out. She seemed wasted away. She was like grayed out. Yeah. Like she seemed like a shell shell of her former self. And then you think, okay, well that probably took a lot out of her. But then immediately they cut to a scene where she's being interviewed in the house. She's all made up, brand new dress, skin perfect, like back to normal. And that, that, that difference, that immediate cutaway was jarring because I mean, I think, and, and I don't know, I haven't really thought about it long enough to interpret it, but I think you saw her, at her absolute, like, I don't want to say worse. It wasn't worse. But you saw her, like, when she was, I mean, completely wrung out. Like, spent, all her yeah. energy was spent. Thank you. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. She was absolutely spent. And then it's like it was that kind of post-climactic scene that she's recovered. And it just, to me, it was incredible. It was like, this woman has so much power The show doesn't her. waste time. I know. It's the yeah. power. And then it's like the show just doesn't waste its time, like, giving you that comfort in the in, in the transitions it's not necessary they're doing it on purpose right it's very weird to watch a show that doesn't like give you that transition of a character you know from like okay well this happened and then now we're going to this point it's just like cut away next scene and it's completely different it's a completely different like vibe so that's what is very interesting about this this show to me what i appreciate a lot you know as a, as a writer as someone who does have to come up with characters and and their motivations and how they fit into you know our greater narrative um the thing about writing cool female characters there's a lot to it actually and we touched on it a little earlier making sure um there's actually a test you can run characters through to make sure that they're written appropriately when they're of other genders um oh, wow. but yeah there, yeah there is and uh, lots of uh, famous uh, female creations have been passed through it just to make sure they pass the test you know just things that making sure that 
that they have thoughts that aren't connected specifically to male characters, that they have agency in the world, that mm-hmm. they aren't only doing things when male characters are around. I just want to point out that, you know, and we do keep going back to the scene, but a visual element of it that struck me as as masterful is in, in the same way, again, that someone like Ripley is a badass. And it, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, she's not this big, hulking alpha woman, if such a thing exists. She's just a normal lady. And she rose to this occasion. And that's a common theme in horror. That's a common theme in sci-fi is, you know, these people aren't superheroes. They're people like you. And I think the more we learn about Atticus, the more, the more we learn about Letty, the more true that becomes. They're just as troubled as any of us here in 2020. Mm-hmm. There's people. But mm-hmm. here Letty was able to rise to this great occasion, the supernatural occasion that would have scared the living shit, quite frankly, out of mm-hmm. huge grown men. And she saw her way through it. So when they pull back and like you were saying, she spent. You know, and she's there shaking like a leaf. It's because she just expelled this tremendous amount of strength and she'd given everything she had. And the visual of this girl having just done this great big thing is just such a cool, powerful dynamic. You know, she faced this supernatural threat and she beat it and she mm-hmm. didn't do it by size or by intimidation or anything like that. She was clever. She was shrewd. She thought her way through the situation. And like you said, she then appealed to the humanity and the heart of these spirits. She was clever to figure out that's what needed to happen. Atticus is the one who's in the military. He didn't think that up. He got possessed. So, you know, <laughs> thanks for the help Atticus. But she, she had this one figured out and she saw it through. And it's also cool that, um, despite, uh, obviously having a, a tussle with some poltergeists, uh, who knows, maybe a couple days or a night or two before. Yeah. She was right as rain a few days later, smiling and it's cool how Letty can flip that switch. She's very good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, very. Yeah. Something Definitely. that Sean had brought up to me as, you know, we we're talking about how she, that the scene afterwards and she's talking to the reporter and they go, you know, they get off the elevator and the elevator continues down and, you know, they show the bodies. They show the three, bo- the three men that broke into the house and were killed unbeknownst to them while they're dealing with their own stuff. And then all the bodies down below and as it goes on and on and on. And Shad looked at me, he goes, Underground Railroad. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what? I don't know. Wow. It's just that's the imagery that made me, that's what made me think. That's of. exactly what it it had to be. And I don't know, it, when he said that, like now here by the, the hair on my arms are sta- standing up again. When he said that, it just was like, whoa. Have you guys thought about that? Or what do you think about that theory? That, but then, then I also think about the slave trade and, and even further back, just how many lives and souls have been lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that how gives many, me, well, the fact that, pause. yeah, and the fact that, if we're talking about unethical, terrible, you know, heinous, the most wor- the worst scientific experiments that this man could have been doing, you know, then that goes back to some of the experiments that slaves have been that have endured, you know, Tuskegee experiments. There's so many different. I wrote down some of these things and I was just thinking to myself when Sean said Underground Railroad, I thought, wow, I wonder if that all kind of is connected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is. And um, I'll tell you, oh, boy, Mr. Continental Breakfast came back. Please elaborate. I had me a moment. That elevator started rolling down and I <laughs> said, go. OK, we're clearly going underground. A favorite theme of Lovecraft is subterranean stuff. We could be going in some wow. cool directions. What do we got? And then on the way down, I saw some glowing runes and I went, oh, 
Yes, I was. What are those? Uh-huh. Runes, oh. symbols, the glowing oh. symbols. Uh-huh. Yes. Please elaborate. Maybe that subterranean area isn't even directly under the house. Those wards right. may have transporting that may have transported that elevator through time and space to another completely separate location, where all types of craziness is going on. Stuff like that happens in Lovecraft all the time. Makes sense. So I wow. saw the runes, and I was like, dimension. "Oh, right." Oh my! I, I was saying there's so many things they can do with this because if the elevator is going to another time and place via these runes, then it would explain mm. why maybe no one's found bodies or sometimes. Or they do find bodies because I know they mentioned they found bodies in the bottom of the house, but I wonder if they found those in the basement that we saw or further down in what looks like this rocky tunnel area. Man. So, mm-hmm. so the introduction of the runes makes me think that that elevator could also lead to a place that is not literally under the house. They could also be visual wards that perhaps keep certain people from seeing anything when they go down there. Once you introduce wards into the story, which and do pop up that, in love, please. Right, they do pop up in Lovecraft too, and wards are so complicated because they can do a ton of stuff. Just like we were talking about back in episode two, they can do things like um, you know lock down doors, make it so that when you enter certain places, you forget things. Oh, gotcha. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, there's Ooh. so many interesting ways they could take this. I think the real question here is who moved the dead neighbors' bodies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question because yes, what, that is a what, what question. I expected to see down there was if I was I was like okay all right so if this is going to another place these bodies are probably being held in in ritual somewhere or, or placed up in effigy it's like something is organized but no they just like haphazardly dumped. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. looks like that's been happening. So, and it's not a shoot. So someone's got them down there, dragging them just far enough and then leaving them. I want to go into um, Aunt Hippolyta's entrance into the room in the house and what she sees there. Yeah, those are like... Solar panels. They're sort of like that... solar system planetary models. I'm not exactly sure what those are. Kenny. It's very cool. I wonder... <laughs> um, Last time we uh, spoke, I mentioned briefly, and I know I mentioned more in the first episode, that game Canarium, that is another Lovecraft game. But I bring it up because you find stuff in that game just like what what, uh, Hippolyta saw. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. One of the consistent themes of of beings that come from other worlds or, or even just the cultists that attend them in Lovecraft is they all have these otherworldly artifacts and they they fascinate us. They fascinate people not used to them. Lovecraft often describes effigies and things associated with these gods or with the outer realms as being made of materials that we can't recognize you know Mm -hmm. um it shines like gold but it was from a metal never seen on earth that glittered like the stars like it's always stuff like that futuristic right so i I wonder if in addition you know because to us it just looks like a golden model of the solar system but what i'm assuming and why she seemed so enraptured with it was that it did have that lovecraft quality like it it was some otherworldly thing to her like she had Mm -hmm. never seen in her life you could see it in her face you could see Mm -hmm. her eyes kind of like uh, almost this is something else this is something yeah but not even like that like where she was in her own right mind it was like Mm -hmm. like she was taken over in some way Maybe, you know, passing through a ward that was very evident. And I thought that was a little unsettling just to see the look on her eyes as she opened that door and saw it. It's super possible. Between podcasts, I went and got the specific name of the aliens that do this. It's the Migos. 
um, not the rap group, the aliens. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so the Migos that, that do the whole, aren't they in that hip? That do the whole put brains in jars so that they can oh. um, experience other dimension stuff. So the, the moment she started, was looking at it, um, I thought like you thought. I was like, okay, well, clearly she's got like a whole Lovecraft, what is this going mm-hmm. on? But I wonder as well if part, like a type of mind control, mind transference isn't, going to play into this too interesting ways that it could i don't i didn't see it coming i mean and i'm we've been watching it very slowly and podcasting it so we're trying not to go too far ahead i didn't see it coming and maybe i should have already realized with the show anything is possible but i didn't see it coming that she was going to be somebody that was going to be you know a a care. I just thought she was going to be a secondary character, you know, mm. just, just, it just was going to be George's wife. Right. Once again, like Sean said, it's not just about the male characters. The female characters are coming up and are as important and have these strong roles, just like the male, mm. the male characters do in this show. So I'm interested to see where this will go with her and what will unfold. I actually had her pegged to me a lot to the store, at least more to it for two yeah. reasons. I was I was saying one, uh, her name is too cool for her not to be important. And two, George spent they spent entirely too much time smooching her and George in episode one for her not to be important. It's like True. it went well beyond this is this dude's wife. True. I'm like, man, this is really intimate. This okay. is really intimate. Well, I thought intimate. they were setting am I, am I, I guess I just thought that they were setting up the characters, you know, just like that George's his background, his background right? Yeah. And I, you know, and maybe that's my were. own hey, it's my own bias here and I'm a female nah, and yet that, here That's I am probably thinking. just me being a suspicious Lovecraft thing. I, we won't, we I'm won't like, why are you? That. Why are you doing? I get it. They're married. What do you want me to know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Did anybody else speaking? Since we're talking of Hippolyta, when she, when she and Montrose are talking in their shop, Georgia's shop, the scene is you got Hippolyta. She's kind of on the right. Something runs by the window in the front, and the music. You crescendos. caught that? Oh my god! I thought I was great. No, no. I, I went I back and watched crazy. it three times. I was like, because I caught it and Aisha didn't. And I said, wait a minute, what was that? I didn't she catch goes, it. she goes, what was, was what? The music sting and yes. everything. Yes, the music crescendoed right yes. then. Whoa. And, and I thought about you, man, because I was like, he saw it. I know he saw it. I better rewind <laughs> and catch it too. I know he caught it. Like he caught the tentacles last time. But I couldn't see what it was. I couldn't see what it no, was. I, and I, I didn't want to lo- keep losing my place on the stream. Well, and that's the thing, Kenny. I wanted to ask you if there was anything about that that struck a chord with you or something you recognized in that that, you know, the rest of us might not. God, did you see what it was? Did you get a good look at it? No. I didn't didn't get it. It was so fast. I thought it was, for me, I just thought it was like a child running by, right? I thought it was a child too, but the way the, there's no way, not in this show, the way the music reacted to it and the way she responded immediately after it cleared the the screen. Yeah. It was Mm. something for sure, but what the heck was it? I I knew something ran past. I know. I guess we'll we'll see if it comes into play later on. Definitely have to see. Now I'm going to go back and look at that again. <laughs> I want you too. I I thought I was crazy because I was like I I can't get a good visual of it. Clearly, it's just a kid, right? Okay, I'm nope, I'm watching this. it. This man's like he's like, wait a minute, go back. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah. That's what I'm like. What? See what? I'm I looking like, straight at like, the screen. I, I bet everyone will see it but me. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I think this would just be one of those shows. I mean, it's already happening. It's one of those shows where people are watching and it's very good. It just is. It's just one of those good HBO shows, you know, mm-hmm. who would have guessed. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> the people behind it are good. The source material is good. They're doing interesting things with Lovecraft um, that I've never seen anyone do. I say it every episode. And in between casts, I've only had this reaffirmed by other people 
who are creating things within the Lovecraft space. You know, the amount of high quality Lovecraft stuff in terms of, of movies or films or series that we have is criminally low. So if mm-hmm. you are a big Lovecraft fan, for the third episode in a row, you should definitely be watching this. If you have any trepidation at all, I, I would leave that at the door. Just, just just, start it. Just watch it. Just watch it because it's very good. It's easily the best Lovecraft TV show we've ever had, if there have been others even. And it could probably be some of the films we've had that, that call themselves Lovecraft too, because a lot of them came out a long time ago and were yeah. not afforded the budgets that they needed. I like what this show is telling us about ourselves and saying to us about ourselves and our, our need for like, collective resistance and awareness and um, especially this particular episode and what it brings all together in terms of the characters and the development of it. And then also really dope haunted house theme. Um, and I just love the ghost story side of it. So I think overall this this episode was was really cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Letty and, and Ruby develop their relationship moving forward. It was dope. I think that's what we agree mm-hmm. on. It was yeah, dope. Yeah. Episode three is dope. Dope, capital D. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me again. Hopefully everybody will tune in with our next episode. We'll be covering episode four. Thank you, Kenny from Ghost Planet. Thank you, Sean and Ashley. And my name is Aisha with Pod Clubhouse. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.